Teaching to One, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Okay. I'm rested, refreshed, feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Well, I'm, it's just nice not to feel like COVID anymore. That's nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I, I think did. I finally, I think I finally have started to feel more myself again. I think in like a week I'll be back. Yeah. yeah. I'm very close. Like mm-hmm. today I was doing things that I hadn't been able to do since mm-hmm. like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty exciting. My brain has felt more highly functioning than it has in quite a while, honestly. So yeah, that's been you nice. have been at um, peak operating speed. I would, yeah, this is pretty, yeah. Yeah, I organized like six rooms yesterday. Yeah, you just kept telling me that there was more. And I was like, oh God. I was like, I did this and I did this. Yeah. I did this. And you don't get... Like, that's something I do. Yeah. I'm the one who bounces around uh-huh. and is like, today's the day closet. Uh-huh. And I just, you know. Um, yeah, it was you me. You don't. It was me yesterday. And yesterday you were like finding parts and pieces of things that we needed that we didn't know. It was just, you were on Oh, it. yeah. I found the, the, the sump pump part that we needed. Yeah, that was, it was already cool. in the basement. Just not installed. <laughs> just not in the sump pump, which is a real shame. So that's going to be a real fun project at uh, some point. No, I, today I was like walking around my classroom, reading aloud, like doing all of the things that were tiring to me two weeks ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it felt mm-hmm. good. Good. So we're I'm glad back. I'm hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Mostly back. That's good. I think also what we're dealing with is that there's like a little bit more daylight. There is. And this week is like pretty nice. My seasonal like, affective disorder is starting to calm down also. Yeah. yeah. And we're like talking about the garden and like our friends are talking mm-hmm. about tomatoes. Like it's just been kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. fun. There's daylight on my way to work, which hasn't happened yeah. for months. There's a little bit more daylight in the evening, but it's also been like in the 50s in Ohio, mm-hmm. which has been nice. Yeah. I thought I was ready for more snow days. I think I'm okay. You think you're ready for, I think I'm, for spring now? If if we're going to keep good weather and sun, then I'm fine. Uh-huh. If it's going to start raining, just give me snow. Yeah. Like, if the sun doesn't come out. Then... I prefer snow or a bright summer day. Yeah. Nothing in between. Yeah. I'm exactly yeah. with you. Because mm-hmm. the rain is what makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, any other updates? We've got... Let's see. You and I were traveling last week. We were. That was fun. We were near the border. With... with <laughs> To Canada. The Canadian border? Yes. Yeah, yeah we were. Uh, we were up sort north. Of. Were we not? Well, um, we were in the southern part of Montana. But that's more... It is northern, more northern. Actually, we might actually be closer to Canada here than we are Because there, of the lake. Because of how big Montana is. <laughs> well, I felt like we were close. But and that's you're right. We were close. We were close. We were far north. Um, so we were Further in Montana. Further north, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. There's a mess going on in Europe because Putin is invading Ukraine. Yeah. I feel just you ordered me something and it came today it and it, you ordered it from a, a maker who's in Ukraine and yeah. the the packaging said Kiev on it when it, it got here and I was just like, oh, because you ordered it before all that stuff I ordered started it happening. like the first week of January. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been, it's had a long trip, yeah. I think is what it I would say. It made it go. And I just kind of, I really cherish it now because I'm just like, I, it, who knows? I know. Like, and when I got the shipping, I was like, oh, that's fun. Because I didn't like, you know, I just picked that maker because they were creating what I wanted to order Mm -hmm. because the first week of January this was not on my radar Mm -hmm. in any way that I've you know I don't think it was on the world's radar Um, really but I will 
include a couple of links in the show notes on ways to help and support Ukrainians. I just want to support them, and I think that they're beautiful, feisty people. Yeah. It just makes you really, really sad to watch it happen. Like, yeah. I, it's really weird to be in a global geopolitical conflict where it just feels like everybody's kind of helpless in some yeah. ways. We were listening to some podcasts about it today, and they're, you know, these sanctions are definitely... They're not nothing for sure. They're yeah, they're they're definitely something. But it just feels very it feels very strange. Yeah. Um we're we're a very well, military driven society, so there are a lot of people who are just like, send the troops. Well, and it's and we like also, maybe we don't escalate. Maybe we don't make more war. Yeah. But I don't want these people to not be That's the thing. I'm just supported. like, okay, but what do we but what yeah. do I what do I do? Yeah. Well, last like, what week what do I do? For last week people? we were actually talking to someone who's from Poland and she was kind of telling us just about cuz she has family still obviously in Europe and she was kind of talking about what Kyiv is and what the Ukraine is like and it was really eye-opening cuz one of the most interesting things that she said was kind of making the connection that I think a lot of people make, which is like, Kiev isn't like some third world country. And she mm-hmm. she said something that was along the lines of like, these are people wearing North Face coats and carrying Samsonite luggage. Yeah. And it made me laugh, but I was that. like, that's exactly, you know what I mean? Like That's, that's exactly what people who aren't aware yeah. of American, Ukrainians. American exceptionalism um, tends to put in our minds that like everywhere that's not us must be so far behind us in terms of just sort of, you know, yeah, societal. Yeah, a lot of countries I've done that with, for mm-hmm. sure. It's like the dangers of a single story, right? But it was just, it was so fascinating to listen to her because yeah, she's we being look, directly affected and yeah. her family is affected and just her kind of humanizing it was, it we, was, we it was good for today, me. We looked up today that, because I had no idea how big Kiev is, and I looked it up. It's almost three million people in yeah, that city. That's I was a like, chunk. I, for some reason, I thought it was a bit smaller. It's it's a big city. What did it say? It was like the. It's like in the top seventh, ten. I think you said seventh most populated city yeah, in Europe. In Europe, I mean, it's in the top ten for sure. Yeah, all so these it's a large technology companies there. I think I sent you an article about this. We think, to a best of our guess, about what's going on mm. here. There's at least some element of kind of wealth acquisition and technology acquisition that's going on in Putin's sad, pathetic little brain here because there are some really interesting tech sectors and founders and all kinds of interesting energy in Ukraine. But yeah, it's just been I'm waiting for a voice of reason to help me understand what my responsibility is in this, because I I know so little about, I mean, European politics in general. Yeah, well, it's our privilege as well to not be. I know what makes it across the ocean and the news waves, but I don't I don't really have a very good sense of the day to day life in Europe. I just don't. So it's it's very strange Mm. to watch it. It feels like I'm not on sure footing when I'm hearing things and seeing things and uh, there's a lot of misinformation flying around too because yep. that's kind of Russia's MO, you know, buy all the fake Facebook accounts and mm-hmm. cheer for Putin kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of stuff to yeah. to keep in mind when you're thinking about and looking at this conflict, but just prayers to those people over there. That's just, I don't know. I just wish we yeah. felt more empowered to do something. Yeah, I do too. So I will include the link to a group called Together Rising, which is... Created by Glennon Doyle Melton and her wife, Abby Wambach, and her sister, Glennon's sister. And they are always helping support the people who need it the most. And so I trust them with my money and I trust the work that they do. And so I'll include a link to Together Rising if you are able to. 
support or would just like more information on ways to support are um, they focusing on efforts in ukraine right now yeah they are okay you ready to get into it for well, this week? We kind of did our intros backwards because we kind of went into how your brain has been operating. And now we have this topic all about the operations of the brain. It's true. So we kind of, we should have, you know, thought about it a little bit more <laughs> when we were doing these these notes, Chelsea. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I'm ready. Chelsea chose a topic this week. It's not a topic that I knew about until you, actually. You hadn't heard of flow? I, not, No. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna no. just say no because no. I don't. I don't think I did. It was very trendy in the business and tech world. Mm, let's see, maybe like 2014. I don't know. The guy. Okay, so there's this guy named. I tried yeah. really hard to learn how to pronounce. I can't this wait. Mihai Chicksent Mihai. is how the 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 videos that I watched okay. generally. Mihai Chicksent Mihai. Poof. Anyway, That's cool. Great uh, name. Yeah, yeah. So he's a psychologist. Yep. He coined this term flow. And I think he wrote a book probably around 2013, 2014, something like that. But he's been working on this theory for quite a while now. The theory of flow and being in a flow state. So, so what is it? Yeah. So it's basically kind of losing yourself in your work is, is the layman's way okay. of saying this. But there are more thought out things around it and as you can (laughs) imagine yeah as you can imagine you might want to you might want to think about how to encourage flow states when you're talking about educating people so what you know what how do you help somebody kind of lose themselves and and the work that they're doing inhibitions and self-doubt and lose track of time in the thing that they're doing because they're so interested in it and skilled in it and it challenges them that's kind of the the premise so Um, it has to do these things yeah for it to be a flow state so chiksamahai says that flow is a state of full task engagement that is accompanied with low levels of self-referential thinking so you're not i mean our anxiety brains would probably have trouble with this one sometimes, but basically you're so absorbed in something that your own worries and doubts and fears and things that inner monologue Mm -hmm. that might otherwise interfere with your ability to get work done. It just kind of goes away. Yeah. Um, It's a concept studied in positive psychology, which is a scientific study of what makes life most worth living. Oh my, no pressure there. I don't really think that I knew that there was a, branch of psychology call i mean i think i've heard of positive psychology but i wasn't sure that i knew what it was it's pretty interesting as a scientific concept to study things that make life worth living but yeah positive psychology so this guy has been working chiksamahai has been working on this concept for quite a while he says that everyone experiences flow from time to time and will recognize its characteristics people typically feel strong alert in effortless control Unself-conscious and at the peak of their abilities, both in a sense of time and really? emotional problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the peak is like that's where. Okay, I didn't know that. I just assume like you're that, in your element. Yeah, I mean, I assume that you are in your element, but I don't think I would have used the word like operating at peak. You know. Yeah. Well, that's part of what makes this a little different from just, uh, and we'll talk about it later. This what makes this a little bit different from like hyper focus. Gotcha. So, which is maybe why yes. I, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. Both a sense of time and emotional problems seem to disappear, and there's an exhilarating hmm. feeling of transcendence. Do you find in your work that you're in flow state very often? Yeah. Really? When I, okay, so 
part of the reason I was interested in this concept is because I haven't read his book, which I probably should at some point, but I read parts and pieces of it researching for this episode. And I've read other articles and, you know, blog posts and all kinds of stuff yeah. about this concept. Well, this is something that you've talked about for as long as I've known you. Yeah. So it's something that you've been aware of. Well, tech, tech people especially like to talk about this because... People who code often talk about getting in the flow when they're coding. And mm. I definitely do experience that. There yeah. are things, there are projects that I'll be working on where I just have no idea what time it is when I get out of my little yeah. work Yeah, you session. can definitely do that in ways that I can. I get, I get such tunnel vision when I'm coding sometimes that I truly, I'll look up and it's like 4.30 in the morning and I, I'm like, oh, now yeah. it's time to sleep. Yeah. I don't. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't get into that place. Well, I also get but this our way. Work is so different. It's so hard to compare. Yeah, but I don't, I don't. It's not really mostly about work for me. It's about something that you're skilled in. So, oh, it's I not, have no skills. Uh, like startup, <laughs> I have no skills. <laughs> that took you a second. I thought you were just gonna let me. <laughs> you, you have many. I thought skills. you were gonna be like, yep. Anyway, <laughs> you have many skills. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. No, I was going to say, I also experience this like, when I'm playing video games sometimes. Yeah. And also when I'm... Not not usually when I'm performing music, because I'm so stressed about performing yeah. in front of people. But yeah. when I'm composing music... That's oh, where you go. I could just... For hours. For hours and really? hours. And, yep. I get so bored with stuff so much quicker than you do, I feel like. Well, I don't know. I don't know what, it, what the difference is. But I also experience it when I'm working on craft craft stuff if i'm making something or like learning yeah. a new you know project <laughs> i like projects let's just you say. do you um you love a project like yeah uh, like nobody needs another project in yeah life. the thing that i i found an interesting comment in some of the literature about this that flow can also can often involve quote strenuous physical exertion or highly disciplined mental activity to enter continuous flow, hmm. end quote. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but I was working on, I did a wood burning project for Christmas mm-hmm. and I concentrated on it so hard that I actually hurt, I hurt my hand. I, I like caused some temporary nerve weirdness in my thumb and my right hand because I was just gripping that wood burning pen so hard for so many hours and I just didn't do anything else. I didn't like stop to stretch like I should have and yeah. stuff because I was just so stretch. focused on it. And then when I finally like put the thing down at the like, end of the day, ow, ow, I was ow, like, ow, oh, ow. I can't feel my thumb. So like that is the kind of thing where it's like, hmm, okay, yeah, a little dangerous. But what about, sense. what about you? Do you feel, you feel this hmm. phenomenon? I th- I do. I think for me, I don't remember if you said that part of flow is not being interrupted. Was that part of the rules like that you have? Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, have to I have think, like a time set aside yeah. where you're not going to be bothered by outside so, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do get into those. I don't want to say it's a mood. It kind of is a mood, I suppose. But I feel like in my life, I have so little extended amounts of time that are uninterrupted. Yeah. That it's very hard for me to find that. I, I was... Uh, We'll talk more about this because he has these. He has this list of so- supposed conditions that mm. help you to achieve a flow state, and I almost wonder if teaching as a profession is kind of set up to be in opposition to flow. That's state. what I was kind of thinking because you're cause... just like so many stimuli around you all the time. Yeah. Everybody demanding your and attention. You only get maybe. I mean, I'm a high school teacher, so I get like 45 minutes with my kids. That's not long enough to get into some right completely. You know what I mean? Right. So I would say that 
I I definitely have been in a state like flow, I would have to say. Probably not in my day job. Now, it used to be like when I would have time after school where I could spend hours there or during the summer, you know, I, I can find myself in those things and I'm I become very happy to sink into what I'm doing. So you think that in your experience of it kind of being isolated is is an important yeah, factor for, for you? For my brain. No, I'll have like music on, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't sure. yeah, it's definitely not something that I can stay into while I'm dealing with mm-hmm. teenagers. You know what I mean? So I think that's why it's hard for me to talk about it is because I don't feel like that much of my life provides me <laughs> with an extended yeah. amount of time to enter that. Yeah. Whereas your work is so much different well than my mine. work is yeah my work is very solitary i'm mm-hmm. you know coding or working on a project or mm-hmm. doing music i do by myself yeah. i don't know that isolation is something that chicksent mahali talks about chicksent mahai i'm not i'm not gonna get it right i'm gonna try really hard chicksent mahai anyway i don't know about isolation yeah but, but it does seem that your attention has to be divided when there are people around you well, much more than when you're by yourself i value isolation in this type of thing though because i don't get much of it whereas for you that kind of is your day job Mm -hmm. you know so i think for me i like that's probably part of what i value about it is that it's completely me by myself Mm -hmm. i've definitely been in a state like this in like video games Mm -hmm. i would say Mm -hmm. and there there are interesting connections and we've talked about some well you and i not on the pod but you and i've talked about some of this before with video games and again there's kind of like an adhd crossover here because there's a whole this this kind of language around people who have adhd being unable to focus but usually what it is is kind of a mismanagement of focus focus. rather than you're focusing on the wrong things and and a lot of times people with adhd like playing video games a lot because Mm -hmm. it there are enough stimuli there to grab your attention wholly for a long time because right. there's like you know there are explosions and colors and fun yeah. dances things happening and, and blah you blah make blah and progress it's, or you, you, yeah. it kind of gets your uh, adrenaline pumping it like yeah. all of these kinds of things and that's what makes certain kids able to I don't know if able is the right word but yeah. it enables them to basically hyper focus on playing video or why games. they might be more likely yes. to so again it's not it's not that you cannot focus it's almost that you can't control the object of your focus mm-hmm. so again we keep kind of talking about the crossovers here between ADHD, but flow is generally seen to be a good thing and yeah. hyperfocus generally not. Yeah. But they do share characteristics and yeah. he borrows language about focus. So it's hard to avoid. But anyway, okay, we have a couple of charts and graphs here and we'll throw them in the show notes because they're interesting to me. But basically these charts and graphs that I threw in here are trying to set out Basically, you've got an X and Y axis, and on the axis, the the Y axis is challenge, and that goes from low to high, and on the X axis is skill, and that also goes from low to high. And basically, what Chiksamahai says is the the flow channel is that kind of middle area. If you were to you know draw just like a diagonal line going up mm-hmm. and to the right in that chart, that's the flow channel. So basically you're most likely to enter a state of flow when your skill matches the challenge. Hmm. And the higher it is, the more interesting your state of flow is or the going more, to be. Okay. That makes sense. The higher, the higher your skill and the more the challenge and the closer those two levels are to each other. Because you don't want to have a ton of skill and no challenge. You're not going to have a flow state there. And you don't want to have a ton of challenge and no skill. Because that would also be very irritating. So, do you want to talk through the next list? 
this guy has conducted a whole bunch of studies. Mm -hmm. He's suggested that the phenomenology of enjoyment has eight major components. And these are components that are essential for flow. So why don't you take us through them? Yeah, so... Essentially, they need to have at least, or mention at least one of these, or mm-hmm. we'll sometimes include all, depending on what you're doing, uh-huh. obviously. But this list says that we will confront a task that we have a chance of completing. A chance of completing. That's where. Hmm. <laughs> is anything You've ever gone complete? through it? Yeah. <laughs> when you're a teacher, is your am task I ever done complete? with anything? <laughs> you can like get through an assignment, I would imagine. Get through yeah. like a unit yeah. or something. It's just like indicators along the way. It's like if I get here, I know I can. I think you can. You're allowed to break things down into subcomponents okay. because definitely when I'm coding, if I'm and I usually do work on big systems. I'm like a full stack engineer, so I work on the front end, I work on the back end, I work on APIs, I work on. Everything all the touching, yes, all of the letters related to everything that the light touches. Everything the light touches, <laughs> I code. So what that means is that the broader project doesn't usually feel like it's reached a state of completion because software yeah. is hardly ever complete if you're working on it, you know, and updating <laughs> it and adding new features. But subtasks will be complete, and yeah. you'll and you'll be like, okay, I've reached the end of this yeah, of this thing. moment. You yeah. pass that it off sense. to your quality assurance mm-hmm. team, and then you. Then you move on. So that's, I'm just going to keep using the coding example because yeah. that's the closest. No, I but music too, like you reach the end of composing a piece of music. It sounds complete and you're happy yeah, with the product. That's true. That's another, yeah. my other main area of flow, I guess I would say. Yeah. Okay. So the first one was we confront a task that we have a chance of completing, yep. whatever that looks like. We must be able to concentrate on what we are doing. That's where the isolation comes in for me. Yeah. That's where I'm Being like, able to concentrate. Yeah. Um, the task will have clear goals, which... Um, I could go back and forth on. I think yes. Like you, yeah. I guess you know what you set out to do. So I suppose I understand that. Yeah, but clear I, goals can just be like, okay, I want to finish the piece of music. Okay, I want to fix this bug. Yeah, okay, that's, I true. Wanna, that's true. Um, but again, for teaching, a little less rigid with, I mean, not that you don't have goals. You have many, many goals at all zero. times as a no teacher. Goals. But I have no skills I think and no they're, goals. I think they're less, <laughs> no skills, no goals. I think they're less tangible I think that's why I'm having a hard time because our lives are, our jobs are so different in these ways. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the task provides immediate feedback, which we love. Yeah, for me, I I refresh the page. If it's working, I love it. If it's not working, I immediately know that it's not. Yeah. See, I don't. You have to wait for your standardized test scores to come out every year, right? Sometimes the kids just (laughs) act right too. That helps. Um, Okay, so another one is that you act with deep and effortless involvement, and that removes from awareness the worries and frustrations of everyday life. Which easier said than done. Yeah, one exercises a sense of control over their actions. Mm Hmm. That's another thing that I would bet would be very difficult for a yeah, teacher to do. I'm like, this, yeah, these are hard for me. This is like an assault on I, flow. Yeah, Teaching this is, is the anti-flow I'm the anti-career. Flow. Okay. A concern for the self disappears, but you also emerge, like your sense of self emerges stronger after that experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've written a piece of music. I'm a more complete human being now. Oh, okay. Gosh, I'm really not in this. Okay. Uh, and the sensor duration of time is altered. Yeah. So your awareness of how long you've been doing it. Ooh, yeah. See, this is really deep for you, and it is really not for me. But again, I identify with a lot of these characteristics, but I couldn't tell you whether they're because of flow or because of hyperfocus half the time. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so how do we achieve flow? How do you achieve flow? Okay. What so, happens in your life? Right. There's actually kind of a criticism because there's no like manual for 
for getting yourself from point A to point B with flow. You can't okay. talk yourself into being in a flow state. Like today's the day, flow. Which let's go. Means that its usefulness as a psychological theory is perhaps diminishing. I don't know. I don't because take you that. can't set out to do it. It's a very dis- it's it's a descriptive thing. The description of flow yeah. seems to us to ring true if we experience flow, but how to get into it is not the same. All he does is basically say, okay, make sure you fit into the eight points above, like have a clear set of goals and progress, okay. add direction and structure, which I suppose um, it- make sure the task you're doing has feedback, but you yeah. can't always help these things. Yeah. I think the one that is most interesting to me, I guess most accessible in terms of something you could work on tangibly would be the developing a good balance between perceived challenges of the task mm-hmm. and their, and our perceived skills. So if I'm working on some new technology, I'm often not able to get into that flow state because I'm so frustrated by not knowing enough. So you have that level of comf- like the you have challenge to be is high and the skill is low. Right. So. But for flow, though, mm-hmm. there is a level of comfort that you have to have. Yeah. With yeah. what you're doing. So as you develop more skill, that things increases get easier, your chances. And it also reduces the challenge. Sure. But you could also take on more challenging projects after that, but you'd yeah. have to increase your skill accordingly. So he's basically just like, uh, get better. Yeah. Do you know who strikes me as someone who I this is probably me just really thinking about it, but Bo Burnham strikes me as somebody Whew. who Probably through that entire special was in a deep state of flow. I mean, possibly for months and months on end during yeah. the darkest days of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, like that's someone that kind of comes to mind as someone who I could see being like this as a person who is in flow. But I was also thinking about like actors who take like the very extreme route into mm, a like character. method acting. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I wonder if at some point that isn't also a flow activity. A flow Does that make sense? Well, it, they definitely lose their sense of self. See what I mean? Like I think that but that's also it's probably also hyper focused. So I'm like going back oh, and forth. I don't forth. know. That's that's an interesting I'm question. just I'm just wondering if if those would mm-hmm. ever be described as that. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does flow then like, where does it get tied up with ADHD or OCD? Yeah. So, well, first of all, can I say, and I'm yeah. happy to say this, I am diagnosed with OCD mm-hmm. and I've had anxiety for, uh, well, I don't know, probably every day of my life. But as someone who is happily medicated to help control my OCD, right? Like I'm seeing this list and I'm like, this could be bad. This could be bad because that's what OCD can do to you. Mm -hmm. So where, how do we walk that line? I suppose. Right. right, Yeah. So like I said earlier, ADHD is typically considered a maldistribution of I'm attention. I'm going to remind you of that just from time to time. My attention is Hello, mal- Chelsea. This mal- is a maldistribution of your attention. This is a maldistribution. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a maldistribution yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. I've often said that my the processor in my brain, it it's a single thread. There's only one thing that I can do at a time. You have teacher ears. You can listen to everything at once. You can listen to five separate audio mm-hmm. sources and sort mm-hmm. them all out somehow. I cannot. I can keep them all straight. I can be a part of each of them. And if Chelsea's like looking at the TV and I speak to her, we have to stop the show. So people who have ADHD often oscillate between splintered and hyper-focused attention. <laughs> so you're saying. <laughs> Precisely. I'm hyper-focusing on the TV show because that's really the only way I can, you know. And then mm-hmm. if something else grabs my attention, I've basically trained myself now to just pause the show because yeah. I can't 
it'll just go everywhere and yeah. I'll lose the thread. See, but I'm scrolling, I'm playing a game. Yeah, I don't know I'm... how you do that. You can just like read things, you can read news articles yeah. on Twitter and watch TikToks mm-hmm. while there's a TV show yep. happening. I'm just like, And I can what? tell you what's happening. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. It's, hey, I'm telling you, teacher brain, man. It teaches you everything. So there's this psychologist named Brandon Ashenoff. He's at the University of Birmingham. He studies hyperfocus. He's called this thing an interesting paradox. It's with ADHD. It's too much focus as opposed to a scattered attention span. You're focused so intently on something, no other information gets into your brain. That's you. That's me. Okay. <laughs> learning so much about <laughs> this myself. Was a, this was a self-help. I don't need therapy. I have a podcast. <laughs> Hello, everyone. That's a lie. We're going to bill you therapy. for listening. Uh, wow. Anyway. My copay uh, is a million dollars. <laughs> so ADHD shows up in different ways, depending on the person. Obviously, there's no one size fits all for this kind of stuff. But the goal with treatment is to help people regulate their attention mm-hmm. and harness the kind of attention necessary for the task at hand. So Basically, hyperfocus can often be an element of the ADHD experience. It shares characteristics with flow just because of the way it deals with attention and yeah. flow deals a lot with attention. But mainly, that's kind of just how we talk about these things. And one thing that's different here is I think the main thing that's different actually is that flow is taking to, into account this relationship between skill and challenge. Mm. That's really not Where, in the language of how you deal all. with ADHD. Yeah. Like we don't talk about people with ADHD in terms of, Oh, well, what are, what is their skill My level? Skill is focusing so intently on right. TV that I can't hear you talk. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So we're not talking to ADHD people about, well, what's your skill in watching TV? Yeah. Well, they're so different. Right, 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 right. Okay. That makes sense. So anyway, flow conceptually distinct, but does involve that conversation about focus. Hmm. Couple so points of basically yeah. these are three circles that overlap a lot, but are still have parts Which that are three now. <laughs> like OCD, ADHD, flow. Mm, yeah. Like if we we're to look at these things, there are certain characteristics that we we would say that they do share. Probably. But it's maybe the level to which were consumed or I think it's about the control of the brain your focus. space that okay being able to control your focus that's yeah because like OCD I I can't control right what I become fixated on right so flow is, yeah, is kind of a choice is what fixation you're fixation is like the word like the OCD kind of term that gets used a lot and then like uh, hyper focus is the ADHD term mm-hmm. that gets used a but lot, they're but sort they're of doing very similar things yeah, there they're, they're doing similar things for yeah. people anyway, in a lot of cases I should say we're definitely not in any way medically <laughs> prepared to make no statements about any of this just I, for the record i'm only <laughs> speaking about this from the perspective yeah. of i've had mild to severe anxiety mm-hmm. since i you know we're speaking from our own experiences yeah, no this is just a, me talking about what it's like to live with ocd right we're not trained medical professionals no, no, no. just no. wanted Please, to make that clear if you want to pay me like a doctor you can but i'm not but i'm not qualified but i'm not this is just me trying to make connections because if you know Chelsea and I personally, you know how far off our brains are from each other. So it's really interesting to kind of find a, a weird connection here yeah. because a lot of times when I'm like, why can't you just say yes or no to this quick question and not pause the TV and instead we have to rewind, you know, but it's that's it's not because you're not paying attention. It's because you're so... One thread. <laughs> Only one thread. Nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's fascinating. Okay, so a couple of points of criticism here. These are mostly just me being like, what about some of this stuff? But Csikszentmihalyi focuses on external causes Mm -hmm. of flow more than internal ones. And this has to do with that thing that I was talking about earlier. There's no easy way to talk yourself into a state of flow. Okay. uh, Or force yourself into one. Yeah. So there's basically no self-directed approach to bring on a flow state. 
So the theory is more kind of descriptive than like testable and repeatable and all of these kinds of things. Like he's sort of analyzing a scenario, giving us language. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, though. No, it just means that it's not necessarily the kind of the uh, the study isn't accurate because it's just inaccurate per se. But just it's a different kind of approach to psychology. I think one that is not about giving you solutions to improve your well because we're all just talking about something that we think is similar, but we've all lived different experiences of. Yeah, I I just think that if you can't follow steps to create a flow state. Mm. then so it's, more it's sort of that, just like well how did we it? get here oh. you know because normally science wants to have so, repeatable experimental yeah, yeah. that's not well, really we like a word science. i don't think um can you tell what's happening when you get into it like can you yeah. feel it coming you or is it, it something... i can't feel it coming i usually know after the fact that i was in it okay that's what i mean i know when i'm in it like, and when i'm done being in it but not you. when it's heck like not mm, i'm going yeah. into flow now no 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 i didn't mean like that but i wonder if as your brain is starting to work through something if there are indicators in yourself to be like oh it's you know well i'll just this... be sitting at my desk and not moving and not getting up to stretch or eat or drink or anything i'll just be so engrossed don't even notice my own body like i couldn't tell you if i was if i were hungry while i was working in a <laughs> or like state. cold or something yeah yeah okay. yeah i might wake up and i'm just like shivering you know wake up i say from the flow state but just like kind of emerge from whatever this is and be like shivering and hungry and whatever but yeah. i'll feel great because i'm like well like i wrote the song though so yeah and that's what i was you'll definitely there have definitely been times where you've like emerged from the office and i hadn't seen you for like six hours yeah and it's like a caveman just discovered light in the wheel yeah i love that i was kind of doing that a little bit this afternoon because our our websites went down which I'll, i'm going to talk about in the what we learned section but i was kind of a little bit in oh, a baby, baby flow, flow state a baby flow de- debugging yes <laughs> maybe cool. like a like a stream instead of a raging river of flow a but flow. okay anyway cool. the other one uh, the other bit of criticism here again i was reading some of this guy's work to research for this episode and there was this quote from one of his books he says a person can make himself happy or miserable regardless of what is actually okay. happening outside i was doing okay just by changing the contents of consciousness what the heck do you mean just by changing the contents of consciousness just by taking lexapro uh-uh. yeah that was my thought i'm just like that's a pretty and again he's writing in a very specific context about a very specific phenomenon so he's kind of using language a bit willy-nilly here but this kind of language is not very helpful well it's not very helpful for anybody who has any kind of mental illness like, that's what i mean like it's not even making the smart, me feel... smallest touch of anything it's you know that this isn't really how it works because yeah. you can't just talk yourself out of a funk that's not i have tried but have you tried changing the conditions of consciousness yeah. the content sorry have you ch- tried changing the contents no. of consciousness but you know what that's what i'm gonna do next that's a little ham-fisted to me in two weeks my review of changing the contents of consciousness changing the contents of consciousness a special spinoff of 16 to 1 oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap. That's the theory of flow. Sort of, kind of. I, I would be curious to hear if anybody wants to share with us a flow state that you have found yourself in and what you were doing. I'm just curious what yeah. all what all we get into. And a little bit of your uh, background and your your skill and challenge matrix yeah. there, because we like to know if this rings true for, for yeah. our listeners or if it's just well, a weird thing. It's, or... it's interesting, though, to think as a teacher that my students could be entering something like this based on whatever they're working on, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. I think you and I keep relaying it back to 
our jobs because that's you know that's right. what we do but you were talking about like fun things and i was talking about you know video games so, i mean like, writing i think writing yeah is a task that right, right lends itself to this pretty easily so but i do think that, might experience that the current public education setup is probably not ideal to support flow yeah if yeah. we value flow as like a way to you know achieve or create you I mean, know you do feel very good about yourself at the end yeah of one of these kinds of experiences yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure it's just but it's fascinating because i think uh, my class is not at all set up for a student to ever be that deeply well i think just the fact that they're what 42 minutes long or something 45 minutes yeah long, that's yeah that's not that's about how long it takes me to drink my coffee and get really set up to even start concentrating sure. in the morning yeah no i'm so just like i'm just kind of thinking back like what's this look like in a classroom mm-hmm. and i i imagine maybe it's achievable but it's still an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. And because I'm sure everybody has been in it and maybe didn't mm-hmm. know that's what it was. So pretty cool. I bet athletes can get into these as well. Oh, yeah. I remember reading last year about, I can't remember if it was, it was like a pennant MLB game. And the pitcher was wearing a heart monitor or like mm-hmm. a, you know, a heart rate. But they were talking about that in, I want to say that the situation was like two runners on, two outs. You know, you're mm-hmm. down one, something like that. Or you're up one and you're about to give up a hit. And when they looked at this pitcher's heart rate, it was lower before throwing that pitch than at any other point in the game. Hmm. And that might have been like what we could call the most important pitch of the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you also wonder if it doesn't work in moments like that. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool to think about the ways that it can happen. Yeah. But that was an article I was thinking about. Yeah, performance. I... I feel like performance, like I was talking about with music performance, I'm sure that there are people who are far less bundle of nerves kinds of people than I am about performance. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happening there is that my opportunity to reach flow state gets just kind of overridden by my anxiety in those moments. But I, I feel like I know people for whom performance, and again, it could be athletic or artistic, you know, theater, whatever it is. the calming part. Performance could be (laughs) that thing that prompts people to enter flow. And there have been times when, when I was in musical in high school, we got so practiced with the show that we were in that when a girl got strep two nights before we opened, we all just stepped in and covered her part. Sure. We were all so comfortable with it and not anxious about the lines like we all knew everybody's lines it was that well rehearsed yeah so that show in particular i did feel like i was able to more be you know i was much more able to be present in the experience and that's that's something that's pretty important and i think even my former life as a softball coach i can remember so many big games that i was stressing about and the ladies were always like i just want to play yeah. Because I'm looking at them being like, why aren't you nervous or worked up or what are we doing? You know, for them, they were like, I just want to play. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's what mm-hmm. made them feel better. Yeah. So, cool. Cool. I like that one. I wasn't sure what we were getting into, but that was kind of interesting that's to what hear. what we're into. Want to move so, on to fill in the blank? Would you yeah. like to do last episode's question? Yep. Yep. Here we go. Uh, last episode was about Holocaust education. So the last episode, uh, this was the question. Irina Sendler was a Polish Catholic humanitarian, social worker, and nurse who served in the Polish underground resistance during World War II in German-occupied Warsaw. Irina's story was discovered by a group of high school students in Kansas, with their research culminating in the now-famous play called Life in a Jar. question was, how many total children did Irina Sendler and her 10 compatriots save by creating fake documents for those children? It was 2,500 Wow. Children. Is this the one who would like smuggle people out in carts and stuff? Oh, like, she did all kinds of things. Underneath like medical supplies all and kinds things. Of things. Yeah. And like the life in a jar comes from the fact that she would take what she knew about the family of this child and she would write it all in a jar and bury it. 
And so that then they can go back and find family names and things like that. Jeez. So cool. That's really cool. Uh, So yeah, Irina Sindler, if uh, you're not familiar, but she and her and her group saved 2,500 children during World War II. Crazy. Okay. You want to do this episode? Yeah, this episode's question. Again, this is fill in the blank. Send us an email. Hello at 1601.com. Send us an email with the correct response to this trivia question, or really any response to this trivia question. Or just to say hello. Just to say hi, and we will send you a 1601 sticker. And We've got a bunch of them. We want to We want to. Maybe a picture out. of our dog. Who knows? Yeah, we, we owe some to one of our loyal listeners who wrote us uh, last week. I've got them sitting on the desk here, and they're ready to go. So just <laughs> write in, again, hello at 1601.com, and just, just say hi. Here's the question for this week. This episode releases on Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. So we're in March now. It feels like February flew by. It did. Which famous Roman god of war was March named after? That's the question. The f- famous. He's really the only one god of war. Yeah. Did who's I give too Roman, much away? Who's the Roman god of war? Yeah. And you better give us the, the Latin version oh my gosh. of the name okay. instead of the Greek okay. version. Okay. So Let's... that we know it's the Roman god. Well, well. Just saying. You ruined my fill in the blank. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, this what is just right up Chelsea's alley? Yeah, yeah. I'm a nerd about that. That's stuff. okay. Mythology I, um, stuff. I was trying to find something of interest about March. Which day is the Ides of March? Bonus oh. question. Okay. And if you not everybody get cares that about Julius right. Caesar as much as you do. This is this if you is... get that one right, I'll send you a bottle of Caesar dressing. A bottle of Caesar salad dressing. <laughs> Not refrigerated, probably, because that's expensive. Okay. Uh, if it's on the shelf, I'm good for a while. I guess so. I can get it, Just to don't him. open it before you send it. It'll be fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. What did you learn? <laughs> what well, did you learn this past couple of weeks? What did I learn? I've been fortunate the past few years to visit Montana a few times, and uh, had not seen a moose. Of all the things we had seen... And the great buffalo experiment, well, the bison, bears, all kinds of things Mm -hmm. out west that I loved. No moose. So everyone, including Chelsea, is like, oh, there's tons of moose. You'll see a moose. You're not looking hard enough. I had someone literally tell me that. Yeah. I was was like, like, my guy, I've been looking. She is. Like, she is looking so hard. When I say that I'm looking for a moose, I mean it. So uh, we sit down at dinner and... Some bartender's like, hey, if you want to see a moose, there's one standing out here. And he was just standing outside the bar door. Yep. Just staring in the so window. I was trying up. way too hard. Because I was looking in, like, nature. And he just walked up to dinner. <laughs> looking in nature. So I saw a moose. He did. He just came up to the restaurant window and was um, eating the bushes. Yeah. And they said that he just does that. He was pretty young, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I finally saw a moose in the wild. Not like at the zoo. I've seen that. Um, the other thing I learned about was not really all that much fun, but we were flying home and we came to Columbus via Denver. And our flight from Denver to Columbus was late and had technical issues and it was because and you can correct me if i've misunderstood this it was because the fuel gauge wasn't automatically reading like the fuel level right wasn't automatically reading so then they like did this thing and had a paper and that wasn't good enough so then they had to go and like read it again and manually check the fuel level right so which took for some reason an hour and a half i don't know it did and so our very nice pilot just gets on you know, we've been sitting in this plane now for an hour, not doing anything. And he gets on the little speaker and he's like, well, sorry about us being late. We're going to try to find some shortcuts on your way to Columbus tonight. And uh, 
we have enough gas to get there. And he basically just like hung up. Like he was like, mic drop goodbye. Nobody, <laughs> we've got enough. We've got enough. And I, I'm like looking around and I'm like, nobody else is worried. Why? Why didn't anyone else catch that we only have enough? <laughs> so uh, then Chelsea had to calm me down and explain to me how this works. Um, so there are shortcuts that planes can take. Mm-hmm. Which seems ridiculous. Yeah, you think that plane a plane flies in a straight line from point A to point B, and they they don't. They follow a series of waypoints and handoffs across yeah. the country. Basically, so that's what he was thinking. Is like, oh, whatever. A eliminate means that you're you're decreasing the distance by finding a different waypoint sure. instead of the one you were. So going to have. in his mind, it was very normal to be like, we have just enough gas mm-hmm. or fuel, and also we have a shortcut. And in my head, I'm like, it's the sky. There are no shortcuts. It's all. (laughs) What is the shortcut between Denver and Columbus? (laughs) So I learned about that. I don't know if I needed to. See, that's my anxiety brain kicking in. That's when I was like, are we sure we have enough fuel? (laughs) When you say we have enough, is that enough for like an extra lap or like, you know, those are the things. Yeah. Good questions. But we did get here. We did. We and only did. like an hour late, so yeah, it wasn't we'll that it. bad. And we did a find a shortcut, also for find anyone curious. I'm gonna guess it was somewhere over Kansas. Yeah, because I hate it the most. It's the worst. Sorry, okay, Kansas. If you're a listener in Can- Kansas, I'll send you five bucks if you email me. <laughs> I owe to you. Better I've not been, make that promise. I've been shitting. That's on not Kansas. a legally binding promise. I've been shitting on Kansas for two years of this podcast. It's the least <laughs> I could do. <laughs> Truly, every time we drive or talk about it, we're like, ah, Kansas. <laughs> Sorry, Kansas. Anyways, what'd you learn? I learned how to get past some hurdles with some 3D printing projects that I've been working on. Namely that the prints would always fail no matter what I did. I think I finally learned, fingers crossed, I think I finally learned what was happening. And I think it's that I wasn't, I didn't have enough base layers. What are it? So I have a resin printer and it, it basically cures. Cures. It cures plastic. Cures. Cures. <laughs> it cures plastic. It cures. It cures plastic by the means. <laughs> it cures plastic in tiny little layers with UV light. So if you don't have enough tiny little layers at the very bottom where you're supposed to attach to the, the print plate deck, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If you don't have enough layers on the bottom to attach it to the, the thing that goes up and down and moves it on and off the UV light, it'll just fall off and then it'll, the, it will not work. You'll just sure. print like four layers and it'll be stuck to the wrong side of your printer. So I increase the number of layers. You also have to increase the exposure time mm-hmm. on those base layers. You need to make them harder. I don't know how else to say it, but you just, you cure them for longer. Hmm. So I was reading about all of that. I f- found some instructions. And they were like, try this. And I tried it and it still failed. And then I took a wild guess as to what was going on and it turned out it was right. So that's, that's kind of what I huh. learned. And then I successfully printed it. And it looks so good. Model. Yeah. It's the orb ponderer. I printed a 3D model of the orb ponderer, that meme from like four months ago. I don't know. Yeah, that. And then I also learned how to hack our website back together. <sighs> We have a kind of cruddy web web host on our 16-to-1 website. And actually, my personal website is was also borked. But I figured borked. out... It was just a bunch of malware somehow. Probably through an old WordPress plugin or something. And it just wreaked havoc. There were about 75 files all over my directories that I had to delete because mm. they were injecting malicious scripts. But I figured out how to do it. And wow. now our website's working again, at least for now. Knockwood. All of the work. All of you just scared. The yeah, cat. I scared the, the cat. cat thinks but I, the door. I didn't want to not knock wood there. So, anything? Final thoughts? Um, Wrap, no. Up? This has been. Uh, this is a fun one. I'll include links to different 
just groups sort of organizing for Ukrainians yeah. and the support of them. efforts and such. And I'll probably also include a link to the Holocaust Memorial in Kiev that was bombed yeah. um, as part of one of the most more recent attacks. Um, and just kind of help, you know what I mean, get as many clicks as we can to those types of resources. I think that's, at the moment, it seems to be the best that we can do yeah. until, until we really know more. Yeah. Um, for those of you who do know more, on this situation, right in because yeah. like, I just feel so, we would love to have so that conversation. I'm just so at a loss. I don't know enough. I want to know more. I want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I want to inform others about how to be helpful, but I don't want to do the wrong thing. No, and I yeah, think, and so. we don't want to speak in a way that isn't somehow helpful or right. supportive. But we're also learning what that sounds yeah. like as well. And as we've kind of joked about Chelsea and I recently, we, you know, we're in our early 30s and. We've joked about all of these things that never happened, but have somehow only happened in the past 30 years. You know, as we talked about September 11th and all of these other events, it's it's just been so fascinating to uh, to be learning, you know, how to do these things properly and what that looks like and how you can help and assist people. Yeah. And Especially in the age of social media, it's yeah. very difficult to navigate some of yeah. this stuff. So uh, we want yeah. to make sure that we're sharing... Responsibly. Trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So And we want to make sure that we're doing it right. So... We'll work on it. Always working on it. Always learning. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. See you next time. Hello, Kansas. Just a special hello and a goodbye to you. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. supporting 16 to 1. We're trying to grow our audience, so please check us out at 16to1.com, all spelled out, and tell your friends about the show. On our website, you can find links to follow us on social media, an archive of all our old episodes, and a contact form where you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next show. (laughs) Am I wrong?